then there must be a link between what we've got here in 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and what we've got in the New Testament starting with the coming of Jesus at Christmas. And I want to suggest to you that, that, that really the link is incredibly strong because at Christmas we see the promises of God, the covenant that God made with David starting to come true. And really some of the, the hints of what God is like are just expressed even more clearly in the story of Jesus. And it's an interesting way to begin here. David has got his beautiful cedar palace. And he starts thinking, oh, it's not fair that God who is God and me that is me. I've got this beautiful palace. I've spent all this time making it look nice. And God's just sitting there in a tent. Does anyone go camping? Camping's pretty nice. But I tell you what, if you have a five-star luxury chalet, that's probably a bit nicer if it's really hot outside or if it's snowing outside. Or, yeah, I mean, temperature changes. I mean, I wouldn't want to live in a tent all year round. And David sits there going, oh, well, I'm really comfortable. God should be comfortable too. Apparently it's going to bounce here. And just reminds me again, straight away of the Christmas story, doesn't it? Straight away of the Christmas story. Because what do we have? We have everybody making their way to their hometown, finding a place in the hotel, and God Himself in a stable. Have you got your cartoon on the back of your bulletin? Cartoon on the back has got the innkeeper looking at Mary and Joseph. And he says, oh, we're so full. Even God couldn't get a room in the house tonight. When God comes, he comes not in the fancy palace, but in a stable, which is even a step down from a tent, I'd say. David's motives are really good. David wants to honor God. David wants to, to see God respected and lifted up. And Nathan comes along, this prophet of God, and goes, yeah, sounds good. Go for it, David. God's with you. Just, just do it. Because it's a good thing to do. It's a, it's a righteous thing to want to honor God and recognize that God is worthy of more honor than ourselves and, and God should be granted more more status than ourselves. It's a good thing. But I guess what David is kind of wanting to do is, it's like you see a little old 97-year-old lady wanting to cross the street. Or rather, you see a little 97-year-old lady on the other side of the street and you help her across without checking if she wants to cross. <laughs> this is what David's done. He says, oh God, you must want a palace, so I'm going to build you one. Isn't that right? And God in turn says, well, actually, slow down. Why, why don't you ask me what I want first? Because actually, David, actually, it's not so much about what you can do for me. It's about who I am and what I'm going to do for you. I think the story of 1 Chronicles 17 
It's the story of us not having to entice God to be with us. We don't have to entice God to be Emmanuel. We don't have to entice God to come and dwell in our midst. I mean, in the context of David in the Middle East, um, that's what you would do. You'd build a temple for your God so that your God would come and that your sister... uh, that your city would prosper. And God turns around and says, No, David. It's not about you making me comfortable. It's not about you making us, Oh, I really want to be in Jerusalem. It's, it's about me. And the fact is, I'm already with you. And the fact is, I've always been the God who is with His people. I'm the one, says God in verse 8. I am the one who has been with you wherever you've gone and I've destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. I've always been at home with my people. Says God in effect. I mean in the desert as they were traveling. The first part, leading them with fire and cloud. God with his people. And then the tabernacle is set up. And there is God with His people. The glory of God settling in their midst. And the truth, says God, is that He has never lived in a house from the day He brought the Israelites out of Egypt until that very day. My home has always been a tent, moving from one place to another in a tabernacle. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's leaders. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? God says, I don't need a temple. Have you noticed that I've been with you without a temple? Have you noticed all that I've done for you personally, David? You were a a little pipsqueak of a shepherd. I chose you. I made you king over all this nation who I love so much, who I've chosen. You, David. And your enemies, look, they're gone. Saul, who tried to kill you, I took my favor from him. And now you, I made king. I'm with you. I have already come to you. And it's because of my grace. You see, this this ultimately is a story of God's grace. Look at what we see in verses 7 to 10. Uh, Nathan goes to David and says from God, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from leading the sheep. Uh, I selected you to be leader of my people. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I will make your name as famous as anyone who's ever lived on earth. I will provide a homeland for my people, Israel. Uh, Evil nations won't oppress them. I will defeat all your enemies. I, the Lord, will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. From start to finish, it's all been God's initiative. It's all been God's helping David. It's all been God's lifting up David. I mean, if you think about it, how can we lift God up and make God comfortable? I mean, God's God. God's We're like this. God is the one who comes and lifts and gives of himself and comes to his people. 
And he says to David, David, mate. And he would say mate because David is the friend of God. David, mate. If there's going to be any house building here, it's going to be me that does it first. Because I'm the great one. I'm the good one, David. I'm the one that has led you all this way. I'm the one that has lifted you up. I will build your house. It's not about you enticing me and, and, and bringing me in and making me comfortable. It's about me coming and just lavishing grace and goodness and kindness upon you. Because that's the sort of God I am. And, and you know how good I am, David. Just look at all that I've done in the past and, and just think about all that I'm going to do for you in the future. Look at all that I've done. Look at where I've taken you. And now, wow, where am I going to take you? Are you going to trust me, David? That's a good attitude for us as well, to look back at what God has done. Someone said, flickering faith is often kindled into flame by looking at the past. Philippians says, don't worry about anything. Instead, thank God for what He has done and ask Him for what you need. Exactly what God says here. Look at what I've done. Wow, look at what I'm going to do. <laughs> you see, the history of God has always been, even before the temple, has been the history of God dwelling with His people. From the very first chapters of the Bible as God walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. To that manger in Christmas with God, Emmanuel, come in the person to dwell with us. But surely, surely this is all over and done. Okay? Here is... This is about building a temple. The temple was built. Solomon built it. It actually happened. Then it was torn down. And then they were exiled. And then there was no longer a Davidic king on the throne. What, what, what did God promise? God, God promised something there. He says, I will build a house for you. Um, he is the one who will build a house, the temple for me. I will secure his throne forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. I will take not take my favor from him. I will confirm him as king over my house and my kingdom for all time, and his throne will be secure forever. Chronicles was written after the exile. There was no Davidic king on the throne when this book was written and first read. God's promises failed. Verse 9, just back up a little bit. I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Now when this happened, they were in the land of Israel. Did you get what's happening here? Here is David, established in the land of Israel, with Jerusalem as the capital. 
their home, the place where God has led them to the land. And God says to David, David, I'm going to give you guys a homeland. God, aren't we already in the homeland? Well, no. No, this isn't the homeland. Because what God is speaking of is is speaking into the future. If it wasn't the homeland, then the homeland had to still come. In fact, David, later on in his prayer, which we didn't read, he says we are strangers and aliens here in the promised land. God promises a safe home for his people. And it wasn't home yet. And it was proven by events that followed because they lost. And it looked like all the other promises had had dropped. And it would take a few hundred years for the promises to start to come true. Because you see, God's promise to David is what makes sure our hope and our home because God's house still stands. Yes, a descendant of David does reign over the kingdom of God. And although for many, many years there were no Davidic kings, there was one whose ancestry was traced back. That's quite telling, you know, in the Gospels, Matthew, I think, is the one who gives you that genealogy. Nobody questions that Jesus is descended from David. Like when they ask him, are you the king of the Jews? They don't go, ah, but you're not descended from David. Like he's obviously descended from David. There's no argument about that. Here is the descendant of David, the promised son of God. The one who would build the temple. And yes, Solomon built a temple, but but ultimately... Jesus is the one who built the real temple. What did he say when his disciples were admiring the walls of the temple? Not even Solomon's temple then, but a rebuilt, not half as good one. Jesus said, wow, you're impressed by all of this? Tell you what, three days? I'll rebuild the temple. Talking about his own body. He is the temple. He builds himself. God wanted, David wanted to build a house for God, but but God ends up building a house for David. In Jesus. Priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Says Psalm 110 in the middle. Jesus, the house of God. You and I, the bricks in that house, the Holy Spirit, the mortar. An eternal house where God is forever, where Jesus is on the throne. I don't doubt that God loved Solomon as a son, but it's only of Jesus that God said, this is my son whom I love. 
with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus asked, if you did your readings this week, Luke chapter 20, Jesus asks a, uh, a question of those who are attacking him. Luke 20 verse uh, 46-ish. Jesus presented them with a question. Why is it, he asked, that the Messiah is said to be the son of David? For David himself wrote in the book of Psalms, Psalm 110, The Lord is my Lord. Sit, at, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Since David called the Messiah Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? Because in order for God to establish his throne forever, in order for this descendant of David to rule for eternity, he has to come from eternity. You can't rule for eternity if you at one point weren't part of eternity. I don't know how that works, but, but you have to come from eternity if you're going to rule forever. You have to be God. And Jesus, when he came, on that Christmas morning, he came to set up his kingdom. What did he say to people? What did John say? John said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of God is near. My kingdom. In fact, said Jesus, Luke chapter 17, the kingdom of God is already among you. Because I am with you. Because I have dwelled with you. And wow, you did such a good job of enticing me down at Christmas time. That manger was top notch. That cow could have done with a wash. You see, Jesus comes as the fulfillment of 1 Chronicles chapter 7. These promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus. Is there a king whose dynasty rules forever? Jesus. Is there a king against whom no enemy can stand? Jesus. Is there a king who has established a homeland for his people? In my father's house there are many rooms. And I'm going to prepare one for you. In fact, Luke makes it quite clear, I think, that Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy. Have a listen to what the angel says to Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great. I will make you as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth, said God to David. But as for your son, he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Boy, it's like they're reading from the same cue card. 
here the angel announces to Mary what Nathan announces to David. See, the history of the world has always been the history of God coming to be with his people. Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. God coming in person. Jesus said, I will always be with you. And when I go, I will send another, the counselor who will be with you. And I will come back and I will take you to be with me. And now, look. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying and pain. And all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. See, the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas. We should have huge Christmas cards. Because you can't just have a picture of a manger. You should have a picture of creation and a picture of the Exodus and a picture of 1 Chronicles 17 with with God telling David all these promises. And you should have a picture of the manger. You should have a picture of the cross. You should have a picture of the new heavens and the new earth and the new homeland. Because you see, that's what it's about. And above it all, God with us. Amen. We worship a wonderful Saviour. The chorus goes, Praise Emmanuel, praise the Saviour, worship God on high. He has come to us. Praise Emmanuel. Let's sing this gorgeous song.
come Lord God you are with us you are there with us Lord God and when the good times come you're with us too Lord help us Lord to celebrate your presence with us to know to know to know to know that you are with us oh Lord God that we may be inviting you in that we may be including you into our thoughts and our words and our actions thank you Lord amen Please uh, share and encourage one another over a cup of tea and coffee. Thank you.